Kim from time to time has come up with the idea of hiking the Appalachian Trail, the whole thing from, from Georgia to Maine. Uh, I've heard others here in the church uh, talking with her about that same adventure and making plans with her maybe in retirement years to do that. I'm less inclined to want to do it. Uh, and there are several reasons. The weather, for instance. I mean, who among us would want to hike in this out in the, in the mountains? The wild animals, I have to admit, that's another piece of it. The snakes and the bears and the wolves and coyotes and that sort of thing. The lack of bathrooms. Not quite sure how you handle that on the Appalachian Trail, and I'd rather not find out. The lack of showers, bathing facilities. And this is one thing that I don't often think about, but I find myself from time to time reflecting on when that conversation comes around. How do you get everything you need to live for several months onto your back? What if I forget something crucial? It's, it's not likely that you can just at any point hop off the trail and go to the Walmart. Our daughter recently did a three-mile hike, a three-day hike, I should say, over 50-some-odd miles through the Assateague National Park from Maryland, where she lives, to the Virginia side. And she loved it. But when I looked at her, snow-covered beaches in the background where she was hiking, carrying a pack on her back that looked to weigh more than she does, I became fatigued just looking at the photograph. But I did learn something from her, from that experience, something about Lent as she prepared to leave for her journey. She told us that she would be unreachable for those three days, that she was going to leave her phone at home leave her phone behind, which if you know my daughter, it's always firmly attached to the palm of her hand. She didn't want the distraction, she said. And she meant it. She didn't have her phone with her the whole time. And it seems that when you're going into the wilderness, she was wiser than most. You must be really mindful of what you take up on into your pack, what you carry on your back, and what you set down. The wilderness is the primary metaphor for Lent, I think, in large part because of Jesus' experience there, and because all of us in one way or another know something of what the wilderness looks like. In Mark, Jesus emerges from the waters of baptism. The heavens are ripped open, we are told. The Greek word is schizomenus. It's where we get the word <coughs> schizophrenia. It means 
torn in two. The word will be used only one other time in this gospel. When at Jesus' death, the curtain of the temple, we are told, is torn in two. From top to bottom. And in Mark's gospel, the spirit descends not on Jesus, but literally into Jesus. Jesus is possessed by the spirit which then doesn't lead him or guide him into the wilderness, but drives him into the wilderness. That same Greek word that's used for drive is the same word that's used when Jesus drives out demons. The Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And when he gets into the wilderness, Mark uses very few words. Try not to import Matthew and Luke's version of this story Just let Mark tell it. He was there 40 days. He is tempted by Satan. He's with the wild beasts. He's in the care of angels. And that's it. Lent is this 40-day period modeled after that time. Not counting Sundays. That's meant to mirror Israel's 40-year wandering in the wilderness and Jesus' 40-day temptation in the wilderness. It's in many ways into a wilderness that we're invited during Lent. Maybe we're compelled, as Jesus was, to enter. And Mark's scarcity of detail gives us ample room to explore this wilderness for ourselves We know only these things when we go into the wilderness. We are God's beloved children, claimed by God in the waters of baptism. Satan is there, evil is present, tempting us to forsake that identity. There are wild animals, and there are angels. The wilderness is not to be avoided. There there may be bad things there that, that should not be minimized by any stretch, but it's also a place, if we believe what we read, where the opportunity presents itself to come to know God and to come to know ourselves and to come to know our calling, our vocation. Jacob, you remember, wrestles with God in the wilderness and his name is changed to Israel. Moses and the people of Israel received the law of God in the wilderness. It's a place that promises transformation. So let's pack only what we need for this journey. There's so much baggage that So many of us are carrying around so much weight that can keep us from even taking that first step. We talk a lot about giving things up for Lent, you know, like chocolate and alcohol and such. My friend John talks about giving up, giving up things for Lent. Let's also consider giving up bitterness. Let's lay down resentment. Let's be done with the weight of guilt. Let's leave behind injustice 
Let's give up the need to control. I don't know what it is for you. I'm quite familiar with what it is for me. I know what it is that I simply must lay down if I'm going to make this journey into the Lenten wilderness and come out the other side transformed. Lent does not usually arrive in this part of the world with a winter storm that leaves inches of snow atop inches of ice. But I do wonder if the winter landscape outside our doors is not more fitting for Lent than even it would be for Advent or Christmas. Maybe we should have been dreaming for a white Lent all along. It muffles the noise, sharpens the senses. It's perhaps the closest that any of us could ever get to a wilderness right on our neighborhood streets, our undrivable neighborhood streets. Maybe there aren't wild animals out there, but the snow and ice on, on top of the pandemic drive us, force us into a new awareness of our dependence on God to be sure, but also on one another. The angels among us. Jesus is not alone. God sends angels to tend to him in the wilderness, we are told, signs of God's presence, and neither are we alone. They may or may not have wings, these angels. Sometimes they have a kind word. Sometimes a casserole. They bind up your soul wounds. They draw pictures in crayon on makeshift greeting cards and send them to those eager for joy. They call you on the phone to share a word of encouragement or a listening ear from your community of faith. They, they prepare food for COVID frontline workers at Williamson Medical Center. They stand by your side when all others may have abandoned you in your failures and your brokenness. They teach in our schools and they clerk in our grocery stores and they are too often not paid or thanked to the level commensurate with their service. They advocate in solidarity with the voiceless and the marginalized. They soothe the wilderness's threatened and sometimes actual violence with peace and justice and love. They shovel snow off of church passageways so the people of God can worship. I have a friend whose daughter is suffering with severe depression, as so many others are in our nation and around the world. One day, a woman from the church they attend showed up with a small blank note notebook for his daughter. And she told her that the notebook was for her to write down everything that she was absolutely sure was true, especially about herself, what she had no doubt about. Things like the love of her family, things like her own creativity, 
All the things that she could think of that at rock bottom she knew was true about herself. That she was baptized. That she was beloved of God. And then, in those moments when she finds herself doubting everything, when her brain is sick and playing tricks on her, she can turn to this, what she called, This I Know book. To read and remember the truth. My friend, when he was telling me this story, he said he saw this person as a messenger from God. Unexpected grace. An angel. To remind them that no matter what, our true baptismal identity can never be taken away. It was those ancient theologians, the band in excess who sang in 1987 because we all have wings but some of us don't know why the wilderness may be just the place to discover that why of our belovedness the this I know of our true selves before God the snow is melting I don't know about you, but thank God, I say. But the Lenten wilderness is still before us. God beckons us this day to join the sun. To name our truths forged in the resisting of temptation. To notice who we are with on the journey. To accept the waiting of angels upon us. To, with God's help, be angels for one another. Above all, to know ourselves and this world as beloved. Jesus emerged from the wilderness into vocation. And we shall too. We shall emerge transformed in order to transform the world to the glory of God alone. So friends, let us all continue to observe a holy land. Amen.